Hi there. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, August 16th, 2021. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft. Kyle Soppy produces researchers and guards our galaxy. And I'm really Eric Carabell off the hammock for just a few minutes. On today's show, the trade deadline in ESPN leagues is coming up later this week. We shall discuss this. Pitchers new and old made interesting season debuts this weekend. We shall discuss that. And there's the normal foolishness and singing that accompanies each and every show. Fantasy Focus Baseball presented by LinkedIn Jobs. TC, how are you today? Doing all right. Ready for a busy week. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, we both wrote uh, about the trade deadline today, uh, the fantasy trade deadline. Uh, You giving an update on pitchers, uh, Mm -hmm. very analytical, and me just, you know, throwing darts at some hitters and uh, giving – giving fantasy readers two very different sides of what uh, our approaches may be in fantasy leagues. But give me a, you know, a general take from you of what you're doing in an ESPN standard league uh, this week. Are you waiting until the deadline, which I think is Friday, correct me if I'm wrong. Friday noon Eastern. Um, Do you wait until the deadline? Cause a lot of people are going to get caught, you know, it's got to be approved and accepted by that deadline. I think it's noon. Uh, Don't wait. They won't, if it's a minute late, it won't happen. Uh, what are you doing in your leagues? How do you approach? Don't wait until the end. If there's anything this season's told me, don't wait until the end. I've had a couple of scenarios in leagues where, and, and I'm using the weekly transaction deadline as the example here, where we had one person propose a trade, the other one sort of accepted, and it really did go down to the absolute last second. And in two of those cases, it was definitively after the week had started. So I'm sorry, too late. And in, in the ESPN leagues, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So get your trade in. Do not just be waiting until the last second. I know you don't want your players to get injured, but just, just get them done in advance. But from a planning perspective, uh, that is the same day that we reach the three quarters portion of the year. We'll have three quarters of the season's games in the books uh, with the first game, I believe it is, uh, going to the books on Friday. So Natural breaking point here to reassess your team. Do it earlier in the week. If you have an excess of pitching, if you have an excess of saves, stolen bases, it's the time to get them shopped. I would do that sooner. You don't want people seeing excesses at the last second. They will try to take advantage of you on the trade market. So get it done today if you can. All right. And we'll do more of this on Thursday's show. Let's talk about the the news of the past weekend or since your past show. And, um, you know, let's start with Fernando Tatis Jr. Because I think this is fascinating. He's off the uh, injured list. He's healthy. His first game back, a couple home runs, and he did it in right field. So uh, from an overall standpoint here, would you say that Tatis's value changes because he's off shortstop? We have no idea what the Potters aim to do in 2022, but um, I'm not trading for him still. I- I'm a little concerned about the shoulder. So is Stefania. Like, there's no guarantee he gives you six weeks. It could be six hours. So I, what's your take here on Tatis? He's amazing, an amazing player. But to move the right field to protect him, is that good? Do you think it'll help? I don't know that it makes any difference at all other than he'll gain outfield eligibility pretty quickly. And that will come into play probably for 2022. He should, if they keep him there, get the 20 games. We're looking at 40 to 45 for each remaining team. He's got the opportunity to do it. I, I just I don't think this changes much in terms of the injury risk. 
I mean, couldn't you argue it's a, a longer, harder throw from right field than it is from shortstop? Granted, there's fewer plays he'll be involved in out there. Covers more ground, needs to do that. So I don't think a lot changes. I, it's interesting to see him in right field instead of center field. That's one where he's, you know, center fielders have an awful lot of ground to cover. Maybe he'd be a little bit more taxed there. But I'm not making any adjustments. Really, the only things that struck me were position eligibility, minor thing, probably doesn't wait too much. And I, I don't think it's good news for Will Myers at all. Now everything shifts towards the Will Myers loses playing time. Right. Which is not that big a deal. He wasn't having a great season as it was. Uh, Jake Cronenworth will be the everyday shortstop. And he's actually on my list of players to trade for because you want to trade for healthy guys. Uh, a lot of PAs this season, um, a lefty bat who who's not prone to, you know, Get, making outs against lefties. I mean, they just never sit him. That's cleanup every day. Perfect guy to trade for. Um, let me ask you this. Say we're having this conversation at the end of October. Tatis has shoulder surgery. They say he probably will be ready for spring training. Is he still your number one, two, three player, or are you going to have concerns that he misses games next season as well? <laughs> so that's as open-ended a description as I think I could get. You said probably, and I'm going to cling to Probably. I agree with you. I agree with Stefania. This came up on Thursday's show. I worry about the long-term ramifications of this injury. If he gets surgery to correct it, I probably would put him at number one. I think in retrospect, we probably should have put him at number one this year. And I don't know that I have much right to question him for the rest of this year because he's been amazing when he's played even through all the questions that we've raised. I, I probably would. Would you? It's debatable, but I probably would. I think with Acuna's situation with the knee. Mm-hmm. And Tatis with the shoulder, you could make a case to just move Soto there. Um, you could. And I might. I guess I want more clarity when we get to December. But um, for now... The Nationals offense, too. That's another one. How do they address it during the offseason? That's, that's an excellent point. Because right now, there's no reason to pitch to Juan Soto. Just like there's no reason to pitch to Bryce Harper or Jose Ramirez. You know, guys on one-man offenses. Um, but Tatis is special. So I think right now, all things considered, I would take Tatis over Acuna... Whether I have them one, two, or six, seven, I just don't know who else I'd put ahead. That's the mm -hmm. issue right now. You can't beat yeah. Degrom, obviously. I don't even know if Degrom's pitching the rest of the season. Do you? I, frankly, if he does, I think it's two to three starts to get ready for the postseason. I actually don't know that there's going to be anything fantasy relevant remaining at this point. I think what happens here, okay, and I'm not trying to be negative at all, um, but I think Atlanta has a five game lead in the NL East in two weeks. And I think the Mets say, yeah, that's it. Let's shut them down. I do. I think that's what happens. And the Phillies as well. Maybe that seemed, I, I doubt they would do that with Zach Eflin because he's not as valuable. But I, I think in two or three weeks, when the Mets are five, six games out of the wild card and the division, they just say, you know what? No, not worth it. And it's not. A whole different Eric coming back from vacation. He's Mr. Pro. Well, you're not pro Phillies. Mr. That's not negative. That's a <laughs> Come on. Who's the I best know. team in the division? Atlanta's got four infielders right now among the top 20 in plate appearances and all on pace for more than 30 home runs. That's never happened in history, right? Four, all four starting infielders with 30 oh, home that, runs. We remember right? back, you remember in the 70s when the Dodgers had four guys with 30 home runs. That's the first time ever, but obviously yeah. that wasn't all infielders. It was Dusty Baker and left. How about that, uh, that uh, Daryl Evans Braves infield? They might have had three guys at 40. I'm almost positive. That Dodger team, 77, 78, had four yeah. 30 home run guys, and one of them was Dusty Baker, obviously not Bill Russell, and no one else has ever done that, had hmm. four 30 homer guys, and certainly not in an infield. I don't know if, uh, I don't know offense, but this Atlanta infield, now that Dansby yeah. Swanson is hitting, 
He's amazing right now. He's not striking out. Everything's for power. And he's beating up on bad pitching, Washington had bad pitching. But Austin Riley, what a turnaround for him. He was mm-hmm. a 200 strikeout guy, and now he's taking walks. It's good defense. He saved Will Smith yesterday. All four infielders are going to 30 home runs. Atlanta's going to win this division. I'm a Phillies fan, but Atlanta's got to win this division. Yeah. And I don't disagree with your assessment here. It's just, it's so interesting that when you and I last talked about this, it looked like it was the Mets division. And today it's really debatable. The best thing I can say for the other teams, and this matters for fantasy, especially in the head-to-head playoffs, is that we want teams that are motivated to play, is that the Braves do face a bit of a difficult schedule when they play outside of their division. I just wrote about, they're, they're playing almost like a National League West schedule. So there's opportunity. But you're right. If the Mets do fall out of this, it's going to be a real problem, especially for their other pitchers who have worked a lot and weren't so much over the previous two years seasons before that Braves by the way I'm thinking of the 340 Homer guys from 1973 and they weren't infielders two of them. um right yeah no I I know that yeah. that um all right let's move on to some pitching here uh Chris sale were you impressed what do you expect they let him go certainly the pitch count was not a problem there it's a great team it's got a bullpen how why if I told you Chris Sale was among the top 10 starting pitchers the rest of the season, that wouldn't be crazy a statement at all. It wouldn't. And the only thing I would use against your argument there is volume. Is he on any sort of individual start pitch cap? Do they try to keep him working on five days rest regularly? And I'm not sure that they will. I think that you can very easily make the top 10 case. Was quite impressed. 89 pitches. That eased a lot of my severe workload concerns. Velocity was all right there. Didn't lean all that much on the slider yet, which means that great weapon that he has could come out in future starts. And by the way, he's got Texas at home next. And I think the one after that is Detroit. So he's got a good schedule. That's a yeah, and he beat up Baltimore over the weekend, but still, like the schedule doesn't get harder for him. I would definitely invest in Chris Sale. I would, yeah, I would trade for him, him and Schwarber. I think they're healthy now and they're Mm going to put up big numbers. So go for it. I didn't endorse it today in my column. And the only reason is I think the perception is that Sale should cost sky high. I went for other guys, but. Um, All right, rest of the season. I can't believe I'm asking this. What happened on my vacation? Rest of the season. Tyler Gilbert or Tristan McKenzie? And I guarantee you, most 90% of the people that listen to this show had no idea who, Tyce, who Tyler Gilbert was before he pitched a no-hitter on Saturday night. He was a Phillies prospect. Dodgers got him. Arizona in the, in the Rule 5 minor league draft. I mean, not even the Rule 5 major league draft. He was a middle reliever for years at Lehigh Valley. Uh, you know, average stuff. But in a Cole Irvin sort of way, this is a guy who the Phillies misjudged. And now, and I'm not saying Tyler Gilbert's good. He just pitched a no hitter. It happens. Bud Smith pitched one, but I, and then Tristan McKenzie with his five seventy ERA, all of a sudden he's not walking anybody. He's perfect into the eighth inning. So I think it's a fair statement here. Gilbert McKenzie or neither. Do you want neither of these guys in an ESPN standard of the final six weeks? I think it's a fair statement. And I might say neither, I'll say McKenzie leaning on Cleveland having the central division matchups. That does matter. And he's got the really good breaking pitches. The issue is, you mentioned his control is better, but on any given night, he shows up without it. And when he does, you see a game like this one. Gilbert is a total wild card to me. The reason I'd go no there is just the the very limited fastball velocity. I think he he barely even touches 90, uh, 90 miles per hour, 90 degrees. That's what it feels like lately around here. 90 miles per hour. He's pretty much just a change of pace guy. Cutters, sinkers. I don't think it's going to hold up in that division. I would agree. Um, you know, Mike McKenzie, 
I can't remember ever seeing a pitcher with an ERA that high and a batting average against of like 199. Like it's unbelievable. He's not getting hit. Mm-hmm. The problem with McKenzie is all on the walks and the home runs, but there's an arm. Like he's 23 years old. And would you, could you make the case next year that Tristan McKenzie is a top 25 starting pitcher? Are you worried about durability or, or the control? Mm-hmm. Does he have the innings to do that? He has thrown 63 innings this year. He'll probably reach 100. They'll likely cap him in the 170-ish range next year, maybe even less than that. I, the McKenzie positive is, you, you mentioned low batting average, high walk rate. The first thing I think of is the early career Randy Johnson. So if you want to shoot for the moon, guys like this could figure it out and get by with awesome stuff like that. I don't think that that's the kind of career that McKenzie has. I would, I'll nibble there. I will. A top 25, that's really generous. If you throw a top 25, that's really generous. But I'm tempted. I'm tempted to make him an absolute draft target next year. I think he should be drafted, but he's also six foot five, like 160. He's Mm -hmm. not a. He's a svelte man. Let's put it that way. Okay. Not a lot of middle nose bones. And and you would worry about durability with a guy so skinny as that. So that's the other concern that I might have about Tristan McKenzie. Although it's a great first name. Although he's still It's a great first name. He's spelled, but you know, I wish I could take that weight with, and he's three inches taller than I am. So (laughs) maybe you're spelling your name wrong. You ever think of that? No, no. Mine's the classic. Come on. Uh, But classic's not always better. I don't know. I think we oh, on this. I haven't gone through the Coke thing in the 1980s. I think Coke Classic was better than that other one. <laughs> All right, I'm glad you made it clear there. All right, let's move <laughs> on now and sing a little bit. It's time for your combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal. Combo, combo. It's a combo meal. Home run plus steal. Hey, these players were making moves last week, and Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. We've got four of them, one a day since the last show, which was a terrific show. Pete Alonzo on Thursday, the polar bear with the second of his career. On Friday, the catcher that I gave away in one of my leagues, foolishly, Dalton Varsho, named after Darren Dalton, and he caught the no-hitter by Tyler Gilbert. Saturday, the best player in the world, Shohei Otani. I'm sorry, nobody else. I think he's the best. Um, I mean, unbelievable. The power, the speed, and, and and also the pitching. Maybe he's the number one pick next year. Maybe he is. Uh, and then on Sunday, Teoscar Hernandez, who's kind of in the shadow of Mr. Vlad Guerrero and Bill Bichette and Marcus Semien, but Teoscar's having a fantastic season. Now, he's rostered everywhere, I'm sure. I don't need to look that up. But, you know, you could have made the case before the season, I think. Okay. I, maybe you maybe you think I'm wrong on this. But that – People viewed Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel similarly. Right-handed power bats that were supposed to be like 30 home run guys, but not on base guys. And Teoscar Hernandez is batting 313. And Lourdes Gurriel has a, a 300 on base. So they're very different right now. But it's weird because neither of them take walks. So Teoscar is getting away with his lack of plate discipline. And I've got Gurriel in the league, and he ain't. Your thoughts? This whole conversation is painful because it recalls my labor failure to get Teoscar Hernandez and settling for Lourdes Gurriel. Coltman Wolf, uh, Coltman the Wolfman got uh, Teoscar, and I think it was 21 versus 19 for Gurriel. I got Gurriel. A uh, lot more problems with that team than anything, but 
I liked a lot the metrics that I saw in Teoscar coming into the season. Yes, I know he's aggressive, doesn't traditionally walk all that much, but he does have a, a good approach. It's kind of like the J.D. Martinez thing where he also was an aggressive swinger at the plate and turned himself into a big-time power bat. And as you said, the batting average is playing out a little bit of luck, but I like he's legit. He certainly is. I mean, it's one walk a week, and then there's that typical right-handed power bat problem with the platoon splits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 443 slugging against right-handers, that's nothing special there. But he's killing lefties, and they're going to face a whole lot of lefties in that division. So, you know, I'm just a little disappointed what Gurriel has supplied this season. Those were the combo meals. Now we're going to sing again. It's time for the closer carousel. <laughs> it's the closer carousel. And he's just dancing around and loving life. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Come on, man. We're well rested now. <laughs> uh, not really. I think that's Come the on, best. Spit in your chair for that song next time. Do you realize who the number one relief pitcher is on the player rate over the past 15 days? It's the guy that we gave up on multiple times. Because his team did. But now he's got the most saves in baseball in the past two weeks. He won a game yesterday. Not striking anybody out. He's available. He's readily available. I picked him up in a league. Oh, yes. Readily available. Wow. This is of the Minnesota Twins. Oh, my gosh. Yes, of course. How can now I? You're going to say you don't want it. You're going to say you don't want it. I will not say that. You do have to chase those saves. There, It's very clear that's his job again. Right. And he has like five saves in the past, like eight days or something crazy like that. Like he's getting a ton of opportunities yeah. because they don't score a ton of runs anymore. Um, he fell and- into a brilliant spot there. Hounds of Robles getting traded and then the injury to Taylor Rogers, but he's locked down that role. There's no reason to give it even in a combo to somebody else. No, I, I think it's, it's interesting what's happened. And now he's, ge- he's getting outs, which is to his credit, but where do you rank him? Where, where would you rank him among the closers? How would God. Not top 10. I don't think oh, it's no. top 10. I mean, you still need some strikeouts. I, I want to look him up and make sure I'm not, you know, being unfair here. But, I, I mean, the last couple of outings I saw, he had nary a strikeout. And you yeah. need some. Not a so, strikeout guy. Not a strikeout guy. And at some point, the, oh, my, he doesn't have a strikeout. In five of his past six appearances, mm-hmm. nary a strikeout. But also, only one walk total and only one hit. Now, some of this might be luck. But this wasn't against, you know, Cleveland either. This was against Houston, the White Sox, Tampa Bay, and one against Cincinnati. All contenders, all good teams, all playoff teams. So he's getting away with it all of a sudden, whereas he didn't get away with it in April. But, yeah, I mean, right now I'd have to say go get him if you need every last save, which I do in that league. I mean, I'll ask you this. Joe Barlow versus Alex Colomay. Barlow, who is on Texas, and many of you probably aren't aware of that, Barlow is obviously a lot younger. And he throws harder and he's capable of getting strikeouts. And right now he has a 0.61 ERA and more than a strikeout pointing. No home runs allowed so far in 16 appearances. That can't last even in Texas. But who would you rather add right now if you need saves, Barlow or Colomay? I'd add Colomay. I just have a little bit more trust in the contract locking him into the role. More patience and the Rangers can experiment as they wish. Barlow, the Rangers had been ramping him up in the uh, the relief pecking order over the previous two weeks. So there could be something there, but you gave me the choice between that's the direction. I think there's definitely something there. He was their closer at AAA. Um, yep. His ERA and whip were good. Strikeout rate was mm-hmm. good. He's not a walker. Uh, he really suppresses home runs. But I'm looking at his like stuff. It's not like he's not a side armor and he's not a sinker baller. So it's kind of an interesting 
mix for Joe Barlow. So <laughs> I think I might take Barlow over Colomay because there's is an inevitable blow up here for Alex Colomay. He just doesn't have the stuff. But, you know, and it, it's not like either of them are on a good team. I mean, they're both on terrible teams. So That's the thing. If, I, if it was t- the competitive nature of either of the teams was different. And I do think the Twins are still a better team than the Rangers, but it's probably not by leaps and bounds. Are you concerned about Liam Hendricks? Would you leave him active in a, in a weekly league? I'm going to forgive that Field of Dreams game, but overall, and he has had, you've mentioned it before, the the tendency to give up home runs. I probably would leave him active for now, but I am a little alarmed. Did not look good in that game, but and the next I'll, game, I'll cut anyone a break. The, the next and game as well. Two yes. games against the Yankees this weekend, seven earned runs or seven runs, six earned. And because uh, one was on second base when he came in. Yeah. You can't be a closer and have 11 home runs allowed through, you know, three quarters of the season and mm-hmm. get away with it. But there's also no indication whatsoever that he's going to go to the eighth inning for Craig Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. At least they haven't given any. Not yet, but they do have the option. So this will be quick. If I would say if the next outing he's not so good, they might just give him the breather and throw Craig, Craig Kimbrell in there. So you mentioned you know, starting this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a risk. I probably still would. Then again, like they need their guy in the eighth inning. To do well too, mm-hmm. so like you can't just dump Hendricks there and say, "Oh, it's it's okay." Like he, mm-hmm. he could lose a lead in the eighth, and Kimbrel hasn't been great either. He allowed a homer, I think, in his last outing too. Um, are you aware that there's a relief pitcher right now who's one win off the major league lead? Not among relievers, among everybody. I have this guy in labor, and mm-hmm. I don't have all the wins, but he's a funny guy. He can dance. Are you aware who that is? Lots of no, I was I was a week ago, but I'm Talk, to... tossing lefty from Milwaukee has 11, uh, 12 wins. Brent Suter has 12 yeah. wins right now. You know what's interesting? Suter was a guy I was on to in the first three months of the year. And then when Josh Hader went on the COVID IL and they moved him into the closer role or at least a co-closership, that's when I sort of wiped him from my brain for some reason. <laughs> He's a very good pitcher. Brent Suter is one of the more underrated relief pitchers in the game. He is. I mean, it's obviously a higher whip than ERA in comparison. And, but it's also a strikeout per inning, which is surprising mm-hmm. at the command. The control is good, uh, but 12 and five, and he's made only one start. That's a lot of decisions. Yeah. You know, and credit. not only that, it's 57 and two thirds innings and 46 outings. You'd expect that this would be a follower situation like the Ryan Yarbrough thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, 12. Wow. That snuck up on me. Hmm. Um, Give me an update on the Yankees. What's happening there? <laughs> uh, it's a committee, mainly because Zach Britton doesn't even have confidence in his own stuff. We've talked about this now on two consecutive shows, and here's the third. And I can I can ask you the same question I did of Todd Zola and Dave Schoenfield last week. Who would you take? I don't know. Johnny uh, Jonathan Loizaga, Johnny Lasagna, whatever we want to call him, it would probably be my pick based on pure stuff the rest of the year. But heck if I know. That is a dartboard situation. And the fact that Zach Britton asked out of the role and then mm-hmm. had to close again this weekend is interesting. Yep. But yeah. And Johnny Lasagna is one of a couple guys. Uh, relief pitcher wins. Suter has 12 and second place has eight. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Anyway. Yeah. I would probably say Lasagna, but I don't think it is. I think it's Chad Green. Don't they you? Don't see, yeah. But you know what? They don't seem to want to use Green in that role. Maybe it's because he had that bad outing in Seattle a couple weeks back. I don't know. They like to throw Green in wherever they feel there's high leverage. He's he's almost like the the Kendall Graveman of the first three months for the Yankees. Okay, I could I could see that. 
Let's move on to take a look at the schedule here until our next show. Monday slate starts at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. It's got an ESPN Plus game, Matt Harvey, who you don't want, against Colin McHugh, probably in an opener role, I would assume. Yep, and it is, with there. Fleming probably following him. And Fleming was terrible in his last out and gave up like 10 runs. Uh, Oakland at Chicago is on ESPN regular at 8 p.m. Frankie Montas, who's pitched well against Dallas Keuchel. Montas, six straight quality starts, 12.2 K9 over that stretch. That is not what Montas was doing for the first three months, but all of a sudden it's looking good. White Sox hit, very right-handed. But, yep. uh, you know, I think if, at this point, if you've got Frankie Montas on a team, you're using Frankie Montas tonight. And then the second start, I'm not sure where it is, but I don't think it matters. You're using him anyway at this point. That you? is San Francisco at home, so that's not a great matchup either. But, yeah, it leans – remember, you want the righty more often going against the White Sox, and I agree you would start Montas. San Francisco hits a ton of home runs. Tuesday, there is a doubleheader at the stadium in New York in the Bronx. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees, uh, Nate Avaldi, Luis Gill is the opener, and then the night Heel. game. Heal. Uh, I don't want to heal. And then the night game, Jordan <laughs> Montgomery is coming off the injury list, apparently. Two in a uh, row, by the way. We we buried the Gary Cole on Monday activation lead. Yeah, you know what? Because you'd activate him. You automatically activate him. Of course. Him. Of course. You know, but I mean, they both could align for two starts this week as a result. Are you activating Montgomery, though? First one's Boston. Second one is what? Minnesota at home. So that's all right. I would. I would. It's not amazing, but it for the two starts, yeah, I would. Big fan of Alec Manoa, the Toronto rookie. He's at Washington on Tuesday. Great matchup. Great young pitcher. A lot of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I don't see any problems here whatsoever. Um, the Cubs are just awful now. Vladimir Gutierrez of the Reds faces them on Tuesday. I think you use Gutierrez against the Cubs. Home obviously. Cubs. Home home Marlins. So that's that great. So Gutierrez is a, is a, a must-add for the week, wouldn't you say? Yep. Uh, Gutierrez, too, has uh, – it could, if he stays on track – Line up for an amazing schedule. That's one thing I did not write about in the column today. So I'll, I'm giving you the tip to Gutierrez and read the column. <laughs> Don't be afraid of Colorado's Herman Marquez on Tuesday against the Padres. He is 7-2 and two with a 3.05 ERA at Coors Field this season. He has beaten Coors Field. Do not be afraid to go with him. By the way, Logan Webb, who faces Stroman and the Mets on Tuesday, uh, qualified starters in the ERA leader department since May 6th. DeGrom's number one and Logan Webb is number two. Logan Webb is really good. Yeah. Not a big strikeout was, guy, but he's good. You and I, you know, about a decision I had to make on keeping one guy or the other, and I had Eduardo Escobar as the alternative, and I went with Webb. Webb has actually been sneaky good this year, <laughs> much better than I realized. And I'm a fan of his, too. <laughs> uh, I'm getting flack on Twitter about Blake Snell. I said to drop him, and then in 17 innings against Arizona and Oakland in this month, he has a 1.59 ERA in 25 Ks. He's going 100 pitches now. He's not going terribly deep into these games, but this is at cores. And you tell me, what would you do here? Would you use Snell in this outing? Are you? Do you feel better about him overall, even in home games? There's no chance I'd use him in cores. I don't want pitch inefficiency in that park. Uh, I probably would lean strongly towards matchups. The thing is that when they are favorable, means home games and non-Dodgers, maybe also non-Giants, he's an absolute start for me. Wednesday's an Otani night at Detroit. You're going to want him. Five straight quality starts. Uh, great numbers as a pitcher. What an amazing season. MVP and maybe the MVP in fantasy. Detroit uh, matchup. Hmm. Detroit hits a little. Mm, they didn't look so good yesterday. <laughs> they didn't, no. But, They're not uh, good against righties either. 
Otani, I mean, you you know, when would you ever sit Otani? Even if no, he's... but could, could we have some great things here? Maybe seven brilliant uh, innings, mm. seven perfect innings, something like that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Speaking of perfect, Nick Pavetta is on ESPN on Wednesday night. Who does not want to watch that against Andrew Heaney? And it says here, according to uh, our researcher, DFS Gold. I assume he means Heaney and not Pavetta, uh, but Pavetta has been good of late. Heaney is not. It's a ton of home runs. Oh, Heaney against Boston. Oh. I mean, uh, every I, hitter in that game. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want it. Nine homers, I think, for the Yanks. Oh. I don't want it. By any the way, we had you covered game. last week with Nick Pavetta, so don't worry. We we made sure to keep that consistent. Oh, so you were negative on him. We made sure to have a, a Nick Pavetta rant in nature of the show, so you know, we're all good. We, we're making sure to Look, keep up with the brand. And people can accuse me of hatred. I don't hate him. I, you know, <laughs> good for him. He got out of town. He and Cole Irvin, they're great now. They'll be in the playoffs, both of them. My team probably won't, um, but we'll see. Anyway, anything else here? Uh, Granky's last outing was very good. Not having a, as good a season as people realize, but he's at Kansas City on Wednesday. You would use him there. Uh, yep. Cole Irvin and Lance Lynn, that's nice. Could be a playoff preview, Oakland at Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, Ranger Suarez, love him. He's at <laughs> Yeah, it's not very good, if you haven't nope. noticed. Um those are the pitching matchups. We'll do the weekend on Thursday. We bring Kyle back in now for some trivia and hash browns. Kyle, what you got? A little easy trivia for you, Eric. I got to get you warmed back up. You were cruising before vacation. We got to make sure you get back on track here. Over the last two months, which team leads the big leagues in home runs hit? That's all it is. So we'll get you. Over two months or the whole season? Last yeah, two months. Giants, right? Two months to the day? Last two months to the day. Oh. All right. All right. We'll get we'll get back there. Dario's got the first hash brown. He wants to know how your approach in saves plus holds leagues changes from a standard ESPN league that obviously features only saves. Well, obviously, I mean, a holds leader. Like, I'd much rather have like Chad Green getting holds than Alex Colomay getting saves. (laughs) So the obvious answer there is, you know, holds. I feel like. There's a there's a there's a bunch of guys this season, Tristan, who you know are getting holds, and you can pick them up, and they have strikeout numbers. So why would you bother adding a Joe Barlow or Alex Colomay when you can get? I want to get make sure I like Blake Trinan, or like uh, who's an obvious guy? I'm trying to get the leaderboard here for holds. There's some lefties, Chafin's up there. Uh, but that always happens. Yeah, I mean, I I I think um, the difference here is you want relief pitchers who are getting strikeouts and good at run prevention and getting holds rather than like, I, I made the comparison all season long with Brad hand. I wanted Daniel Hudson in a holds and saves league over Brad hand because I thought Brad hand would pitch poorly. And for a while he didn't. Now he's just awful. Um, and Hudson was going to be the clear setup man for that team. That's the difference I would make. Now Blake Trinan leads the majors, I believe in holds. Um, so Tyler Rogers is a great example. It's a lot of holds. You can make the case for Tyler Rogers over Jake McGee, the closer now, because Rogers is doing a better job mostly of run prevention, and he gets the occasional save. Gallego, so the Cardinals, does not have the whip that Alex Reyes does, doesn't have the saves, but he might be more valuable. Anyway, your thoughts? Possibly, yeah. So 13 closers have more than 20, or have at least 20 saves, and only five relief pitchers have 20 holds. The leader is 22 there, and then the leader in saves is a lot more than that, 34, Mr. Melanson. So the the only danger with this question, it comes up all the time in the show, is holds are a safety net. 
Holds are not the driving force. It's the way in which you pick a guy based on skills, hoping that they're going to be the closer. And in the worst case scenario, that very good arm winds up getting holds as the setup man. That's why the Daniel Hudson you mentioned works. He's a good pitcher. You knew he was going to be one of the last two guys. If he didn't wind up in the ninth, you do fine. But I'm not going to deliberately target holds because of what you mentioned with the lefty, lefty relievers, Chafin and types like that. That's where a lot of the holds end up going. I usually want to get a guy who's just got the best arm. And at least now you know that, you know, you, you, know, you get a, a player. Well, Rich Rodriguez isn't the best example, but that's the first I think of. A guy who's really good, gets strikeouts, was closing games, loses the closers role following a trade. He's worthless. Well, no, not so much anymore. He could still get you holds. I think that's so all you, fair. Do you prefer saves plus holds league then to kind of save yourself? And you're targeting talent at the end of the day. And that kind of what we're trying to do is like evaluate the best pitchers here of course i definitely I, like saves and holds leagues i like it better i don't traditionally I, just because i'm used to scouting saves but i i see its value i'm not gonna quibble with that scoring system it's just i there is a major problem with the hold to me the holds definition i'd like to see it ironed up first okay I have a problem with both of them, <laughs> saves and holds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But at least everybody knows what the save rule is. Like, there's a very yeah, That doesn't make criteria. it better. Like, it, it, to me. It doesn't make it better. It You're clearer. <laughs> okay. Like, holds, there are different sites dispute the way that holds are calculated. I've got an issue Right, that's that. a problem, too. Yes, I agree. That's fair. Reds wants to know how you view Cody Bellinger in Dynasty Leagues. Should you trade him now while his name still holds peak value? Or do you hold on and hope that the name or that the stats catch up to the name? I don't think his name holds peak value anymore. It's two bad seasons in a row. Um, he looks – they bat him eighth. I I see nothing. I, I Where where am I going to rank him next year? He's not going to be in my top 50. I'm not even sure he's in my top 100 for next season. So in a dynasty format, I am I wrong about that? Should he be in my top 50? Why would I do that? It's all you, man. We did this in depth on Thursday. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. We are, we are, we were not in alignment with you. We thought that he has a shot with a good finish of getting back to top forty, but that might be the highest he gets. I see your I point, though. I don't know He's what you're a- seeing. I, I mean, is it all the shoulder, and then he'll be fine after the winter? He's definitely been a bit improved over the past two weeks. As we were saying, he's got to finish on a major high note. That's going to be the key. I mean, he he faced like Jeff Hartley yesterday. I, I I'm I'm looking at the pitching he was hitting this weekend. I'm like, really? Like it's I that's that's why he hit. I he faced the Phillies. I you know no, I'm not in. I'm not. But that's okay. I've been wrong before. That's fair. You got to pick a side on these kind of things. Yeah. Gary wants to know who he should finish with at catcher for the rest of the season. We got four names here: Yachty, Carson Kelly, Jan Gomes, Austin Nola. Who should he lock in for the rest of the season? Not sure any of them. <laughs> why? Why lock in any of them? Yeah, that's fair. Stream it. Yeah, you know, I mean, Tyler Stevenson faces four lefties in a week. You go with him. Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, Nola, Nola's on the most added list. I would imagine. I, I think Jan Gomes, even if he he splits the time with Murphy, I like Jan Gomes and I like their schedule. I don't know. What do you say? I, I would just stream it every week. I agree with you. If you have these four players available. Absolutely, you need to stream it. And I'll point out that the two visiting course Field teams this week are Arizona, Kelly, and San Diego, Nola. And I probably would lean to Kelly here just because the grade is slightly better. 
Uh, also, I think it's better matchups in the other series of the two. And Nola's not quite yet at that 70-plus percent of the catching share. Kelly's not either, but... Kelly isn't either, because they have to see what they have in Varsha. Frankly, I just add Varsha over right. all these guys. At least you're going to get some stolen bases. Yeah, with the Coors games, though, I mean, you almost could flip a coin between the two of them. I I, I personally would probably go Kelly. They hit him higher in the lineup means more PAs. That's probably a, the, where I'd break the tie. Alrighty. Dave wants to know if it's time to reevaluate what we think about CJ Cron. Crone? Cron? Crone. Butcher his name. Uh, after a strong month, or is he still a Coors only play? It's all home road splits. That's all it is with him, which is fine. Kristen, you wrote about this today. They have what, 44% of their home games left or something like that? They got 44 uh, home games. Half of them to the day are uh, are at cores and understand that six of those come right now this week. Cash in, cash in, cash in. By the way, also cash in. So I guess you're saying cash in. Um, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, they don't have a lot left at cores and they're playing a lot of tough teams there. In I September. mean, this is the typical guy who only hits the cores. His road, road OPS is 674 with four home runs. And he's only hitting lefties. So, you know, there's nothing special here to me. But And and you look down at all the Rockies. Trevor Story, same thing. Ryan McMahon, somewhat, although his power numbers are the same on the road. Um, it's amazing to me, all these Rockies. I, I'd like to see, not Crone, but I'd like to see what, like, Trevor Story would have done in a full season in Oakland. I bet he'd be fine. Because, you know, playing the home games hurts you in playing the road games, too, to some degree. It, it messes up your swing a little bit. But I would like to see what if Trevor Story would be the next Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday was fine when he left Coors Field. It took a little time. Mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado is fine. He homered every day this weekend. He's fine. It took him a little bit of time to get used to it. And Arenado is not going to hit 330 like it did in Denver, but he could be a really good – he could be a top five third baseman for the next five years. So in a way, I might have liked to have seen Story play somewhere else the final two months to start adapting to the lower altitudes. Absolutely. I think that's a fair statement because Story is not having – the season people think I can write a blog at some point. Maybe I will about players, players who are not doing what you think they're doing. Now, you know, Bellinger, everybody, but like story is not doing close to what everyone thinks. And JT real Muto is not doing close to what everybody thinks. It's a, it's a lot of guys like that right now. And you're not going to drop them. So maybe it's a waste of a, of a column, but man, Trevor story. That's not what you like. If I'm ranking today, he's not in my top 20. He's not doing it. And you think he's going to start doing it in the final six weeks of the season with a sorry team in the last place? No, it's like nothing's going to change. Anyway. What if you're, What do you think about him for next year? If you're saying, like, you can't rebound this year, I get all that. Will you rank him any differently? He ain't going to be back in Denver, that's for sure. But I want. I, I do want to see where he lands at some, to yeah. some degree. Very talented. Potential 30-30 guy, obviously. I mean, he's still running, so that's a good sign. But he's not doing much of anything right now. He hasn't stolen a base in, like, a month. I don't know. I, I you, maybe I'm too down you, on. You mentioned Oak. Like the worry I have is he changes teams during the offseason, goes to somewhere that's near sea level, and it's like Oakland with a very extreme pitching leaning. The first thing I'm going to think is rank him where you should, but he's more of a buy low than draft him guy. That's the only. Yeah, but the, he's Arenado with speed. Arenado's batting 265, and he's going to end up with 35 home runs. Trevor Story's capable of doing yeah. that while adding 20 stolen bases. So if we not if we yeah. ranked Arenado in the thirties for this season, then I think Trevor story should be in the 25 to 30 range. Yeah. Oakland or Minnesota, right. wherever he goes. I mean, Oakland's saving up for Nick Allen. He's going to be a gold glove defender who bats 270 with 12 home runs a year. He's going to be a good player. So it's not going to be Oakland. I don't think that gets Trevor story too expensive, but 
you know, your team, man, they cannot play Taurus at short. I'm not sure they play Taurus at all. So they yeah. might be in the bidding for Trevor's story. They might. Anyway. They very well might. I would not they're, be surprised at all. They're in the bidding for everybody. You know that. Last one here. Dylan doesn't have roster spots to burn. Wants to know what you're doing down the stretch with a bunch of injured aces. He wants you to rank these guys in order in which he can release them. Bieber, Rodon, Kershaw, and DeGrom. Man, I would lo- I I don't I wouldn't love to do it. But DeGrom. Can, can you That's make a case to, to even yeah. roster DeGrom right now in a standard league where you need the bench spot or the IL spot? I, he's not coming back, Tristan. I really don't think he is. Yeah, so the only problem is as of the time of taping, he is undroppable. So you, you kind of have to scratch him from this list. But, but you know the point we're making. We could get him off the list. The point is like I right. don't think he's pitching again this season. I also don't think that Dodger right-hander's pitching again this season. Um, for different reasons, obviously. Yep. And it looks like Kershaw is going to the bullpen when he comes back. And Bieber's supposed to throw today or tomorrow. And I don't know why in the world Cleveland would even bother to do that. But yeah. Bieber's coming back this month. Yeah. Uh, none of the other guys are. I, I think uh, Rodon isn't. Rodon isn't either. But Rodon's coming back in September. Do we have an update on Rodon's timetable? I didn't see a specific timetable. Um, I thought the old manager said that he would be back in in early September because obviously right. that's a playoff team and they want him in game two of the series. So there could so, be a little bit of the, the workload management. They could that mess with his workload decision. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Dodgers could easily just have Kershaw pitch the fourth and fifth inning of three games in September to get him ready for the playoffs. They don't even have to start him in a playoff game now because they've got two excellent right-handers. Uh, yeah, Scherzer and and uh, Bueller. So and then Orius will be fine. I think Orius isn't even hurt right now. I think they just want to give him a break because yep. they know he's pitching. In they September, were saying in he's pitching the next time the rotation spot comes up, yeah. not during this week, but the following week. Yeah. So why would the Dodge? I mean, maybe the Dodgers don't catch the Giants, and now they have to beat the Padres or the Reds in the one on one gamer with Scherzer, mm-hmm. which will happen. But the point here is, like, I don't think I don't think Kershaw is going to start another game or get to 100 pitches. In September, so the hundred pitches is a bigger deal to me. I don't. I think it. They they need him in their playoff rotation. I think. So right now, would you drop Degrom and Kershaw? Yeah. So so Degrom, based on the news being fairly new, uh, you're right. We we might revisit that if he's part of this discussion. I, I genuinely don't know whether he does contribute. I probably would rank these guys uh, most likely to cut. Probably the exact order. No, I, I probably would put Kershaw last. I'd go Bieber, Rodon, DeGrom, Kershaw. So you would cut Bieber first. What's the story there? I, I, See, mentioned- I have the exact opposite ranking. <laughs> He's coming back in two weeks. I don't know why they would bring him back, but yeah, Rodon's that's the thing. Back. Like, what, what do you expect? I mean, why would you why would you wait on DeGrom and Kershaw? Are you sure you're saying the same thing? Because- I think you're saying. Because honestly, I have no idea what any of these four guys contribute to. I feel the most comfortable in Rodon's ability to contribute. But as you said, September 1st, Labor Day, it's three potential weeks of impact. Actually, it might be four, is it? No, I think it's three when we talk about Labor Day. He's just not to the level of those guys. It's a tough question either way. And it's it's a a tough spot to be. It is. It's a tough spot to be in. And maybe if I had the crown on a team, I would just keep him. I don't know. Do you really think Bieber gives you anything more than those guys? I think he's the only one, the only one who's actually going to throw a baseball this week and possibly return in August. And that's the differentiator for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's, that's why fair. I'm saying that's that. fair. I, he's the only one of these four guys who's even been discussed throwing a baseball a, and returning in August. And they're saying for some reason 
that they want to get him a couple starts to mm-hmm. show his shoulders healthy for the offseason, which I think is not smart because they're not making the playoffs. But for fantasy purposes, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We ain't seeing Kershaw this month. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or DeGrom. And I doubt Rodon. So that's why I would take, I would keep Bieber the most of these fours. Hmm. That's all. Yeah. Hard for me to disagree with that. <laughs> Not the way I ranked it, but they're all close. I'll break the tie. I think I'm with Eric here and that I'm just value, valuing availability more than talent. Like, I don't think, yeah. I'll valuing information and clarity. <laughs> or lack I don't, thereof. Not the right word for that. I'm yeah, very clear on that. I, is clarity that he is throwing a baseball tomorrow. <laughs> that, the that is absolutely true. That doesn't mean anything in the course of his rehab after that right. length of time. Right. That's right. the problem I have with it. I, I totally see your point, though. He's the one throwing a baseball. Well said. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I need to say at some point. Okay. <laughs> what was trivia? Trivia. Last two months, which team leads the big leagues and home runs hit? I'm guessing it's not the Giants because I think they lead for the season and you wouldn't ask the question this way. The Giants are the right answer. I it just completely really? caught up. Who, who leads the Giants? Who do you think leads the Giants in home runs? <laughs> uh, Giants and homers. Either Okay, either that or tell me where the leader of the Giants ranks in baseball in home runs. See, like The Giants don't have anybody with 25. I don't they don't believe. have anybody with 20. But everybody's hitting them, Posey That's, and It's amazing to me. They don't have anybody in the top 50 in homers, and they lead the freaking league in home runs. Because they have, bit, wow. they have Darren Ruff with, like, 15, yeah. and they have, like, Lamont Wade Jr., Lamont who Wade still Jr. people aren't adding. And mm-hmm. Brandon Crawford's going to hit 25 again. It's just amazing. You know, more, why, uh, you know why they're not adding them? Because their their playing time isn't known every single day. If they had a solid eight like the Blue Jays lineup, everybody would be on the Giants. Are more offenses going to look like this the further we move on to analytics where everybody can hit for power and nobody's running? Or are we ever going to get back to where it's 100 there. homers and 3, 4, 5? We're already there. Nobody's running except two guys. Wit well, and okay, Tarlin. but the power distribution is nothing like this for all the teams. where no They lead the league and nobody has 20. That's crazy. Yeah, but the difference here is um, they'd have to win the World Series and then everybody will buy in. I think to some degree. And then it's hard to build a team like this. It's hard to get lucky with Lamont Wade and Darren Ruff. Yeah. So the, you know, like the Dodgers could do it because they have the money, but right. you know, most teams would never, they just want regulars. Toronto just has eight regulars right now. You don't want to do, you don't want to build a team like this because more can go wrong. They can go right. Also, the paths are different between the Dodgers and the Giants. The Giants, the Dodgers can pay to get, as you mentioned, the names, the Giants are using their scouting and analytics to get the cheap guys off the waiver wire. Very, very different approach. It's fascinating, and it doesn't always happen. They're, I mean, come on, Tampa. Tampa's had some years where it didn't quite all come together. They're looking good now, but not every single also, year. It's very dangerous for the long-term yeah. health of a team. They're all in their 30s. Posey, mm-hmm. Belt, Solano, Crawford, yep. Dickerson, Yastrzemski, they're all over 30 years old. So yep. I don't know what this lineup looks like next year even. they ha- Obviously, Crawford got signed to the extension. Posey can stay there as long as he wants. But half these guys, Mike Tockman's not going to be back. Darren Ruff probably won't be back. Austin Slater. Like, it's a really old team. I'm very interested to see what happens with this team. I I would love for them to win a couple playoff series because I like their manager. And, um, you know, I'd like to see a team like this do well. So if you ask, is this the future? No, of course not. You you never want to build with 33-year-old a lineup. 
Uh, or maybe not the age, the but age, the general but the, the deal, philosophy. Yeah. yeah, I actually do think it is because the the rosters will likely expand again at some point in the next few years. And if that happens, and we keep those things where pitch, you know, the three batter minimum rule things yeah. like that, I think this is the way that teams are going to go. If you can platoon like this, you should. Yeah, Rays There's do no it. A's team. do it. Giants are doing it. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening to our little Fantasy Focus Baseball. And we should remind you that Fantasy Focus Football with the gang is a daily show now from Monday through Friday. I believe Kyle's shaking his head yes to say that it is true. Kyle goes from that show to this show, and we appreciate his efforts. Very versatile human being, that Kyle Soppy. All right, that's it. Tristan, good to see your smile and your pointing and your singing. And Kyle, you're awesome and you're the guardian. And I am Eric Carabell going back to my hammock in about two and a half minutes. Thank you for listening to our little show and have an awesome week.